Guys, you can't solve everything. Sometimes you just have to move on. She joined Alfresco, joined, really moving up the ranks in 2016. The company before her had raised, call it, you know, 50-ish million bucks. There is another 45 million just before she joined. So about 90 million in the company before in 2017, about a year after she joined, they were essentially taken private. She's now continuing to drive incredible growth, over 100, really best in class uh, in terms of net revenue retention, over 100% serving thir over 1,300 customers, paying anywhere you know, in the tens of thousands. If they're older customers, up to now, they're signing new customers at the $300,000, $500,000 ACV levels, growing rapidly with 350 people all around the world. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Bernadette Nixon. She is the CEO of Alfresco and leads the company's strategy for growth, customer commitment, and culture. She's an experienced global leader with a proven track record of growing some of the leading companies in the market and has a wealth of experience in the process and content management industry as a whole. Before joining Alfresco, Bernadette served as president of SDL PLC, a global software and professional services company, after having grown its sales team as chief revenue officer. Bernadette, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Okay. So I feel like Alfresco is one of these companies. It's actually pretty large, but a lot of people maybe haven't heard of it because you do so many different things. So kind of put it in a nutshell for us. What's the company do? And is it a pure play SaaS company? Uh, we're a pure play subscription business. Yes. Uh, so Alfresco is a fast growing open source software company, and we've got a digital business platform. At its core, the platform has process automation and content management services. And then a great app dev framework on top to build your own engaging modern user interfaces. So the space we play in, it used to be known as ECM and BPM, uh, but now in the more modern times is known as process services and content services. And certainly the way we play there is in a cloud native way. Yeah. And get, just quickly give me a story of how maybe a customer is using you to really bring it home. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, you know, if you think about NASA, for example, they look to us to help modernize their processes. They've got lots of processes internally and all of those processes have content that are associated with them. So as they're, you know, playing their part in the space station or all the different ways to advance um, their mission, they are using us to automate processes and to be the custodian of all of that information. And it could be pictures or video as well as documents and they need to, you know, have it available for 70 years. So just to be clear, Bernadette, this is like a really sophisticated intranet. It's not content published out to like the community, the world. It's, it's internal processing documentation. It's internal. It, most often, most often, yes, it's internal processes and your internal enterprise class content. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. And I'm sure you serve a ton of different customers, but on average, are we talking, you know, million dollar a year deals, a hundred grand, 10 million? Generally, where do you fall? Well, we've got open source roots. So a lot of people used to know us as the cheap and cheerful open source content guys. And, you know, a lot of companies that are with us from those days 
pay is probably 20k a year yep. but over the years we've we've gone at market in terms of serving some of the largest companies and governments globally and those customers can end up spending you know millions with us yep so would you say maybe a fair average is a million a year or something like that I'd say people start at probably 200K and they build up from there. I see. If they're expansion revenue, et cetera. Yep, exactly. Very cool. Now, let's. I want to put this on a timeline because the business has gone through all kinds of crazy changes and things like that. What year did you join? I joined in January of 2016. Okay. And what, what year was the company founded? The company was founded in the UK in 2005. 2005. Okay. So what had happened in 2016, both in your own life and on the other side in the company that made it a good fit for you? You know, I'd always believed in this notion of process and content coming together because every process typically has some content associated with it. Um, and so I believed in the vision and the mission for the company and given where they were in their stage of evolution, I also thought I could help. I'd seen some of the movie before in terms of some of the things I thought they needed to overcome to achieve what I would class, you know, more breakout growth, which is what we've been able to do since 2016. Yep. Now, last year, uh, you know, there was, you know, murmurs on the street that the company was for sale, but it sounds like last year there was an actual event with some folks associated with, with Thomas Lee, the private equity firm. Walk us through what happened there. Yeah, absolutely. We got inbound um, interest. And so we took the process seriously and that culminated in us um, getting an exit in March of this year. And we're very pleased to say that uh, TH Lee are our new investors now. And um, they're excited also by their new investment because we are a growth thesis for them. Uh, this isn't an, uh, an opportunity for them to get the red pen out. This is a, a growth investment strategy. And that's based upon the momentum that we're seeing in the market, which is fantastic. When you joined in 2016, did you know that like one of your jobs is going to be find a strategic partner like this, or was this a total surprise? I figured there would be an exit. And in order to get the kind of exit that we wanted, we needed to grow the business. And so I wasn't focused on an exit. I was focused on growing the business and building a really strong business, which is what we have. Yep. Now, obviously you're putting together all kinds of pro formas as you're going through due diligence and data rooms in this process. And sometimes the pro formas, you know, you look back six months after the acquisition and you go, oh, they're working out. And sometimes you go, oh my gosh, we were totally wrong. What is something, and I know this is tricky for you to figure out, but find something where you guys had a thesis together. You said, this is what we think is going to happen. And it just didn't happen. One thing that just didn't work like you thought it would. Uh, perhaps I should touch wood, but we've not hit that point as yet. <laughs> so your pro forma has hit exactly how you expected it to hit. Pretty much. I've never seen that. Error, pretty much. What margin of error would you say? Uh, I'm not going to go there. You're, you, I'm not going to go there, but we're pretty, we're pretty much on the money right now. Okay. That, uh, by the way, that's so rare. I mean, I've seen the biggest companies, even when you look at like RJR Nabisco and that whole deal, I mean, they put together pro formas. Rarely. If someone tells you we're going to do, you know, a hundred million next year, I can guarantee you, you're not going to do a hundred million. It's going to be like 98.5 or 110.3. Never does it actually come out exactly. You're saying, you know what, it feels good. We're within a good margin of error and, and you don't want to say anything that you learned or that, that maybe went differently. It, I'm sure that we'll, I'm sure we'll have some of those moments, but we're, we're on, we're in a really good place. The mm. momentum that we've got in the marketplace is really quite incredible. And that's, you know, not, only due to the work that we're doing, but the strategy that we've put in place, the partners that we've chosen to work closely with. We are an AWS first 
um, product strategy. Uh, we're moving to multi-cloud, but you only have to look at the growth figures that, um, that both AWS or Azure are experiencing right now. And when you're cloud native, as we are uh, in our new versions of the software, then you know we've, we've got a great story. Yep. Yeah, very good. Okay, let's get some of, the, some of the other kind of information here around kind of cohorts and product and where you see the space going. So first off, launched 2005, you joined in 2016. Uh, obviously, today is 2018. What have you guys scaled to in terms of total customers using the platform? Uh, you know, there's multiple different ways of, of, of measuring that, but roughly about 1,300, 1,370 customers. Okay. But when you look at the number of users that we have, it's in the millions. Yeah, well, because it's open source. Yeah, uh, not just because it's open source, not even counting the open source element of that. Just, I mean, the, the commercially paid stuff. Okay, so you have millions of people paying, that have put in a credit card and they're paying you monthly some amount of money. There's millions of users of our content platform and our process platform or our records management government services, yes. Well, no, Bernadette, my question specifically is, you said commercial. So when you say commercial, you actually mean they are paying for the, not using it as a user, they're actually paying for the, the software. We are a B2B, so we're not selling to individuals. So, you know, one particular customer, for example, Cisco might have between 150,000 and 250,000 people using us. So when, you, when you looked at all of the, those users, we're in the millions. Seats. Yes. seats. yes, exactly. It's a good way to put it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Got it now. Okay, got it. 1370 logos and then millions and millions of seats. You got it. Got it. Very cool. Okay. And how are you getting new customers? What, you know, do, tell me about the team today. Is there an inside sales approach? Uh, we've got both. We've got um, inside sales and we have enterprise sales. And in fact, we're actively growing the um, enterprise sales team right now um, to scale up for the next level of growth. Um, so, you know, the lower end, as I said, you know, you can get a pretty short um, um, buying cycle if somebody's spending, you know, 20K for a departmental solution. But if they're about to put down, you know, half a million or a million, then you're into the classic enterprise sales cycle. Okay, Top Tribe, many of you ask me all the time, how did I get my website up so fast, so quickly, and why is it doing so well? The answer is simple. I use HostGator.com to keep the thing cranking along. They've got a 45-day money-back guarantee, which is great. I used their free website builder to get the site up because it's ideal for WordPress. It's just what I use. They've got 4,500 templates and a free e-commerce plugin as well and 24-7 support, which we love, right? We love that. I bug the hell out of them. They always get back to me. So I've got you 30% off along with $100 in free AdWords credit. To grab it, just go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. But you got to do it now. Again, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. So what's the team size today, total team? Total team across the company, about 350. 350. And obviously the company, the, I think you guys had raised before the, the exit uh, that you guys went through last year. And, and what was what, what did you guys raise? I think like 90 or 50 million, something like that? Uh, no, that was, um, we raised 45, 45. in 2015. Yeah. But, but sorry, total in the company since founding 2005, was total funding about 92 million before the, take, before the relationship with the private equity firm? Probably. I only started counting at the 45, but it, it was, <laughs> that's when you joined, right? <laughs> yeah, it was just before I joined. Yeah. You, did you come in on that round? Did the investors say, hey, contingent on us investing, you got to bring in Bernadette? 
Um, I don't know that it was that direct of a correlation, but they knew that they needed to bring in, um, I came in as the chief revenue officer. And so they needed, they knew they needed to bring somebody in to grow the company and take it through the next phase of growth. Yep. Yep. Very cool. Okay. So, uh, so total team size today is 350. You're scaling up. Um, walk me, you know, landing these kinds of accounts, obviously you can afford a pretty high kind of fully weighted CAC in terms of just pure amount. Now payback period obviously is a ratio. So I'm curious from a payback period perspective, how aggressive are you being? You get paid back in a year or two years or six months. What do you look at? Um, we look at three different numbers, um, but to keep it simple, you're looking at depending upon which ways you, you, you actually calculate that. Is it the magic number? Is it, you know, is it Bessemer? Is it the way that Salesforce does it? So you're looking at anywhere between sort of 1.6 and, and two, just over two. Yep. And, and what do you, you know, there are a lot of different ways to measure this. For your company, what is most effective in terms of being an, a leading indicator or a lagging indicator? Well, I think the interesting thing to look at with us is we're a platform company. And the beauty of the platform is it can do many different things uh, for our customers. And so from that point of view, um, we, are, we get engaged in, in a wide variety of use cases that we can solve. So, you know, there are multiple different sales plays that we run at any one moment in time. So I think, you, you know, we, we try not to get overly obsessed on one of those numbers. We know where we stand. And there's um, you know, a, a path forward that we map. I'm not going to get into specifics, but there's an improvement uh, path forward that we map out. Mm -hmm. Now, when you say improvement, that can actually be tricky because Pink Identity, you know, he was just on the show yesterday, acquired by Vista, I think probably around your guys' size in terms of AR, maybe a little bit bigger. But his answer to that when he said um, improve was actually increase what they could spend on CAC for a new dollar of ARR because that, you know, usually who can, whoever can pay the most for a customer wins that customer. So when you say improve, do you mean drive your dollar-based CAC down or actually get more aggressive and drive it up? Uh, there, there are going to be periods in your history where you drive the spend up and ultimately over time you drive it back down. So we're growing the sales force right now. So maybe there is a, a slight blip up that happens and then we'll certainly um, improve it. Because one of the, the, the main figures that, that we, uh, we look at, probably more meaningful in the short term on that is Time to uh, time to first customer when a when a new time to what time to first customer so for it for a new ramping Salesforce so always focused on how quick can we demonstrate the value to somebody new coming into the funnel. Yep, yep, interesting. And you said just to be clear, you're spending anywhere between a dollar sixty and two bucks right now to get a new dollar of ARR. Roughly, We're trying to drive that down. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Very good. And then um, what growth rate? Obviously, growth is really critical. What are you guys growing at year over year? Well, when you, I mean, we're a private company. We don't disclose um, a lot of those figures. But if you take a look at our bookings growth last year, it was 50% year over year growth. Mm -hmm. Or you could look at it as uh, six times the uh, market CAGA. Yep. Yeah, that's healthy growth. And then, you know, it was reported, you know, in 2017, you guys are doing somewhere around a $60 million run rate. Uh, what, what are, I mean, when you look at that run rate, what do you hope to see, you know, year over year is 50% a good growth rate, a bad growth rate? Where are you trying to settle in at? Um, so we take a look at, you know, we take a look at the short and the long term, obviously. Um, and we take a look at pushing the boundaries I'm not going to disclose, you know, we're a private company, so I don't disclose those figures uh, publicly, Nathan. Well, that was, sorry, what I just quoted was actually already quoted. There were some CEOs before you, I think, before you came in that a lot of these numbers were actually quoted and, and disclosed. So I'm only referencing those numbers. Sure. I mean, we've broken through the, the 100 million mark and, you know, yep. we're uh, looking, 
looking at, you know, how do we double it? Yeah. What I, by, by the way, I mean, I can, I could take two numbers you gave me. These are not going to be accurate, but I could take 1370, your customer, your logo count times what you said your first year ACV was, which was 200 grand. Right. And that puts you at about, I mean, that puts you at huge, that puts you at about essentially 22 million bucks a month. So obviously I think it's probably a little bit bigger than what you're actually at today. Cause maybe the ACV is a little, is it maybe lower start new sales reps are actually closing lower level deals. Well, if you also go back in our history with some of those folks that know us from our, you know, open source, cheap and cheerful content days, you know, they could be starting with 20K as opposed to, you know, the customers 200. that are coming online at, you know, half a, half a million even. Yeah. So, so sorry, your historical average might be lower than 200,000 ACV, but your new, you know, the new ramping for salespeople, the new quota targets, the new funnels, they're all built around at least 200 to 500,000 first year ACV. Oh yeah, uh, that's great. More. <laughs> I, I love uh, someone coming from someone like you who you led the sales. You were chief revenue officer, and then growing into the, the CEO role. I love that because I can ask these these questions that most people don't think about. So let, let me ask you some other things. What ratio did you decide? I mean, you came through the trenches. Did you decide to set in terms of the ratio between whatever your fixed costs are with the salespeople and what quota you want them hitting per year? Is it like a five x? You want them to be six x? That what is it typically? Um, so in some instances, I get to opportunity-based quotas, but more often than not, it's one person, one quota, and I peg the quotas at what I believe is fair given where we are in the market. So when I came in, I, I pegged the quotas, and I've only raised them ever so slightly since I came in. And that's because um, I want my salespeople to be focused on doing the right thing for the customer and uh, having a fair quota um, as well along the way. So it's that balance. I don't want them um, so aggressive that we get um, an, um, a customer experience that maybe, you know, like some of the legacy providers. Um, and so I try to keep them pretty constant um, and make them fair. I want my yep. salespeople making good money and as a result of driving value for customers ultimately. Just to be clear that you do this per person, it's, you know, they're all direct reports? Uh, they're not direct reports. I've got a management structure in place. But do you set a different quota per person based off what they're managing or it's a... Per, per, per roles. There's different classifications of, of salespeople. So per role. You're talking like an SDR might have this, an account executive might be this, a success you know, exactly. person. Interesting. Last question here before yeah. we wrap up. Expansion revenue is obviously critical. How are you guys driving expansion revenue? Like what are the pricing axes you drive up usage or seats or what? Um, so we, ha I mean, the, the model that we have is users and core based. Um, but the way that we look at driving ultimately the revenue is by having, um, you know, really good launches of new products uh, each year. And uh, one of the new things that we're going to be focused on is really making some great improvements to the overall developer uh, evaluation experience. Because a lot of a lot of our customers download the, the the platform, play with it, and say, you know what, I really want to, you know, bring these guys in because this is really interesting. So we're going to be focusing on, on driving that developer experience and really improving it makes me great for them. Yep. And when you analyze a cohort of new customers from say a year ago and where they're at today, would the net revenue retention on that cohort, are you guys north of 100% at this point? Yeah, we're best in class. That's great. So I, I would, by the way, I would say best in class is like 120. So your expansion more than outweighs your churn revenue by at least 20 points. Is that, do you agree? Um... There's multiple different ways that you can look at this, net growth, all the rest of it. Um, but we're definitely best in class when it comes to it and we're expanding the business, which is great. Yeah. Very good, Bernadette. Okay. Easy questions. Famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh my Lord. Probably Execute 
it's uh, probably 10 years old now or more, but execute is a bit my favorite. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm following or studying. I look at various different CEOs. I picked up some stuff from the Splunk CEO recently, listening to uh, one of uh, one of his presentations. Which CEO? Splunk. Splunk. Oh, Splunk CEO. Very good. Number yes. three, what's your favorite online yes. tool for building your business? My favorite online tool? Well, Evernote is my brain on paper. Uh, <laughs> Evernote. <laughs> but I think for building, um, but I thought... Um, I do mind maps all the time when I'm looking at solving a problem. So uh, a mind mapping app on my iPad, which is I thought. Which is called what? I thought. I sort. Thoughts. No, thoughts. Thoughts. I thoughts. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Very good. That's okay. That's, I wanted to just be clear. So our, your listeners could use it if they wanted. All right. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Oh Lord. Um, Not enough. Anywhere between. Uh, six and a half and seven and a half. Okay, fair enough. And what's your situation? Married, single, kiddos? Uh, married, but no kids. No kids? Okay, that's good. <laughs> and do you mind me asking, Bernadette, about how old you are? Uh, yeah, roughly the half century. Okay, very good. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to say 50 years young. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, my God. Um, probably, I don't know. Um you can solve most things, but you can't solve everything. Yep. So sometimes just move on. Guys, you can't solve everything. Sometimes you just have to move on. She joined Alfresco, joined, really moving up the ranks in 2016. The company before her had raised, call it, you know, 50-ish million bucks. There is another 45 million just before she joined. So about 90 million in the company before in 2017, about a year after she joined, they were essentially taken private. She's now continuing to drive incredible growth, over 100, really best in class uh, in terms of net revenue retention, over 100% serving thir- over 1,300 customers, paying anywhere you know, in the tens of thousands. If they're older customers, up to now, they're signing new customers at the $300,000, $500,000 ACV levels, growing rapidly with 350 people all around the world. Bernadette, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan.